Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My name is Dave Hanready, and there will be a fucking heatwave. It's no encore, everybody. Uh, absolutely melting down here in the home studio. Craig Fitzpatrick, how you doing, pal? I'm melting. <laughs> yeah, home studio two is um, it's tropical. Yeah, it's it's sweltering, is what it is. It's the midst of a heatwave. This is a music podcast, an independent music podcast. Patreon.com slash no encore if you want to help support the independent music podcast. Uh, and doing so, it has to be said, it allows us to do other things. And for example, on this episode, at least for the next few minutes or so, we've got a special guest. It's Sonic Architect Adam. Hello, my friends. Hey. I've made it to the main feed. Patreon is going to be furious. <laughs> yeah, usually Adam is reserved for our monthly recommends corner no Oxcore, but he's here this week with a special announcement. And no, it's not the uh, introduction of some kind of Mr. Burns-esque fan uh, cover thing to turn off the world and give us some shade. It's uh, some, something else entirely. I guess we should get right to it before we preview this episode, should we? I mean, like I, this is an episode in which we would talk about music. That's what we do on the show. I, I think people are going have to allow for me to be a bit more manic and rambly than usual because I can't even begin to describe how hot this room is that I'm in right now. I've had to close all the windows because there <laughs> there were children in the street screaming and shouting constantly and playing basketball, doing all kinds of things. My fear right now as I record Enjoying this is that, life, I think is that <laughs> you're concerned. They're having a great time, yeah, as I like pull the blinds fucking, you know, Simpson style and it's like but it's gone it's gone eerily quiet and my fear is that they're having their dinner and they're going to be back screaming in no time at all. Um so you may well hear the sounds of screaming children on this podcast, which is not a metal band, sounds like a metal band. Uh, but the room I'm in <laughs> That's the is the album review, yeah. <laughs> the room I'm in, guys, it's it's absolutely horrific. Um I don't want to alarm anybody, but I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm I'm down to my boxer shorts here. Like it's whoa, that whoa, bad. Whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
Awesome. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, like I'm wearing other I'm wearing a t-shirt as you can see, but I've had to I've had yeah, to lose I'm the two quarter length. But somehow that's worse. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, worse. Oh, no, no, it's not worse. I'm not gonna lie. I've it's spent a lot of my time wearing precious little this week. Like I'm I mean I was, working from home has done me wonders. Like Let really me explain. Has. Let let me explain, right? So I was rocking like kind of Fred Durst esque three quarter length shorts and okay. I can't do it, man. Can't do it. Still wearing shoes though, which is kinda weird. Let's just let's let's continue Meanwhile, with the I'm show. in my disco boots making an effort and, yeah. no, and nothing else though and right nothing else. <laughs> yeah it's good stuff um but listen before we uh, lose everyone's attention for the rest of the episode which would be totally understandable based on that one like i say look i'm melting down here so we'll, we'll try our best on this episode of no encore it's going to be top five heat wave and heat wave anthems very very appropriate and we're going to review the new album from claro which is not a good album to review journey heatwave i don't I think i was gonna it. say it's a heavy listen mate <laughs> But we'll get there. But first, before we get to the news this week, uh, we got a special announcement. Um, this is a long time coming. Adam, uh, by way of introduction, can you hit that musical sting, that trailer you've prepared? We have a brand new addition to the No Encore podcast, and this is what it sounds like. Uh, okay, listen now for the click track, everybody. Uh, and away we go. This is uh, track one. Take one, yeah. One, two, three, four... For the Encore is a new addition to the No Encore family in which I, Sonic Architect Adam Shanahan, meet with the people behind the scenes of how the music you listen to every day gets made. I'll be bringing you conversations with producers, engineers, songwriters and industry experts to candidly discuss process, creation and some other stuff along the way. This is what you can expect to hear. Like, I'm not, like, I wouldn't say I'm the best at whatever I do, but what I do know is when something doesn't sound right. What is going to be most fulfilling to me is delivering something like fresh, and I don't want to keep like regurgitating the same thing over and over again. So, um, yeah, like it's 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 just trying to stay inspired, man, and like trying to um, keep that bird's eye view. If you remove the sort of like the technical side, which I think you know is just and, and it is where it is, you know what I mean? That's like, but I think outside of that, the, the absolutely the most important thing is to be able to latch on to people's musical visions as quickly as you can. But yeah, no, I've I've tried I've started um, like playing the guitar a lot more, mm. um, and like just in between like trying to do things, just sitting back and picking up the guitar and just noodling around, and like there's a sense of joy in getting better at something, and then you can go and apply it to the to your music production or whatever eventually as well. So like it all feeds into one another. So yeah. this is before the encore. That's right. It's before the encore. It's a new addition to the No Encore podcast. So we've got No Encore, your main Friday experience. You've got no popcorn or movies and music related offshoot. New episode coming next week, by the way, in the Heights, fitting for a heat wave. If you're a Patreon, if you're a patron to our Patreon, I should say, you get no Oxcord once a month, which is our monthly recommends corner. And now joining the main feed, a periodical as curated by the one, the only Sonic Architect, Adam. Its name is Before the Encore. The first episode comes out this Monday. Adam, this has been a long time in the works. You've been working very hard behind the scenes. It's something that we yeah. talked about, I think, at the end of last year. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners more about it, man? Um, I mean, uh, the brief primer that uh, was in the trailer, I think, says it all. It's mm. not, there, it, you know, it's nothing too fancy. It's not a whole lot of bells and whistles. It's conversations between me and um, people kind of who are not the artists um, that are behind the songs and behind songwriting and this, that or the other. Um, and, 
you know, I'm having candid conversations with them, totally unscripted, um, just a casual chat, really. And I've uh, so I've got, uh, as you can hear, a couple of episodes ready to go. And the conversations I've had so far have been like just so insightful. And, you know, they range from everything from process, everything from like what happens behind the scenes, you know, how the music gets made, how the records get created to chatting about movies to, you know, I'm not trying to jump on Dave's no popcorn uh, <laughs> experience by any means, but, you know, it's it's interesting where the conversations kind of go to and from. Um, and it was nice as well to like really dive into it with some, uh, some friends of mine as well. Um, some people who I've been very inspired by um, in my journey so far in music production. Um, but it like, it, it, like it's just, it's been such a great experience to have been putting these things together over the last couple of months. And um, for the listeners now to finally get to hear it is, is great. I'm really, really excited. And I think that um, for people who, you know, are interested in music, it's going to be a conversation that you might not get to hear. Yeah. Um, you, you know, some might be something that people have wondered for a long time, but there's like this kind of, I don't know, there's like a kind of a cloak of mystery, I think, is put over the studio process sometimes. And even still, while there's less of it now with the likes of Twitch streaming and, um, you know, certain other podcasts like uh, Broken Record, for example, um, you know, the process has kind of been unveiled a little bit, but not too much. So I'm trying to put a bit more of a local spin, I guess, on it. Um, um, I say that I've had one guest from the UK as well, um, who that conversation was excellent and it's very different like everyone's got such different ways of doing things so um, to be able to just explore that has been enriching for me personally as like a music producer but also I think um, I think it's going to make for an interesting listen for the No Encore fans I was going to say you know as a music producer what I've loved from what I've heard so far is that you do bring that different slant it's not you know myself for Dave sitting down with someone that's not a kind of music journalist having those questions from the outside there's so many moments in your conversations where it's like oh yeah that reminds me of this experience I've had in the studio or yeah this reminds me of this aspect of the creative process and you just go off on really kind of fruitful tangents I guess that just makes it feel like well, it's just a conversation. It's not interview stuff. It's like getting to grips with the process from that perspective. Mm, yeah, I've really like tried to hammer that home um, as well. Like at the start, and it it's been mainly Zoom calls. Like during the time of the initial start of it, it was kind of height of lockdown three. So um, you know, we weren't able to actually like do any in person interviews or anything like that. But uh, as it went on. Fortunately enough, now we were. But one thing I would always, I was always, I'd always start the conversation with, look, I'm not hitting the record button yet. This is just a conversation. You know, I will probably ask some questions here and there, but I don't necessarily want it to be overly formalized. I think that was like something that, I don't know, I think people are more inclined to sometimes be tuned into a conversation as opposed to like, when it's so technical as well, I think it's important to just kind of break it down to that conversational level. Um, so I think that the format will benefit the, you know, the subject matter, I guess. Yeah, what I was going to say was pretty much 
what you picked up on there is that like, so Craig and I have heard some of these episodes, you know, just to make sure that Adam wasn't slagging us off behind our backs or anything. And thankfully he was not. Um, and no, ultimately, I kept those episodes to myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> They're I, there. Essentially, <laughs> I, I, I mean, like when you kind of came to us with the idea, you're like, you know, I want to do something about production. I mean, it was like, my first thing was, oh, I was like, oh, I was like, well, could that be like really like jargony or like, you know, like, would it just be for producers? And I think from what I've heard so far is that like, as someone who doesn't know that much about production myself, um, there's a, there is a beautiful conversational style to this. And I would yeah, encourage same. anyone who even has like the most basic interest in production, like, like I didn't like, I mean, like <laughs> I, without putting too fine a point on it, I, it's not boring. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like it's genuine. These are interesting people <laughs> that you're talking to who have interesting lives and different approaches to how they make music and it's more about yeah, very the role that i guess someone like yourself and like people that you've talked to so far and it is very much a so far um kind of situation like it's just like the attitude that people take towards their role in making music whether it's a case of i need to get out of the way or like no like 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 nobody has come across and been like well i'm the fucking king but i mean we haven't got rick rubin on yet but like that hopefully will be coming yes, um is the essentially word. yeah i mean l- l- like the idea of this like i, I found it to be because i mean like even like just listening to you over the course of full episode i was like i was like oh wow i was like i'm out of a job he's good at this you know i'm in trouble now we can't <laughs> craig and i might as well just quit this show but yeah i mean i guess the 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 the, the message for listeners here who who might be like ah production i don't know i'd say give it a shot because genuinely like like you're like you're drilling into the heart of the the person involved at the desk as opposed to the desk Mm -hmm. itself so yeah um, and it's like the things that go on around it too um you know it's like the product what comes out of it and like it's all about like certain musical styles and like different genres of different approaches and it's just the like each one there's not one conversation that has been similar enough to the to the previous, you know. So yeah, um, I'm really looking forward to being able to just like give those to people to listen to. You know, I want to just like put those out and um, have people enjoy them as much as I did. You know, hopefully. It's it's finally here. It's finally happening. I know some people listen to the show on a Monday as opposed to a Friday, but if you are listening to it on the Monday, you get a double episode because the first episode of this new project, Adam's Baby, before the encore, arrives this Monday, the 26th of July, I believe, is the date. And who are we going to hear from first? What's the story there? Tell us more. So the first episode is going to be, I'm going to do it in, I guess, the order I recorded them in. So um, the first episode you're going to hear is uh, Joe Hertz. He's a UK-based producer and artist. Um, he's worked with some great names. Pip Millet, Sam Wills um, has been a huge inspiration to me. So um, it was a real long shot. Like when I was putting this together, it was a super, super long shot, like hitting him up in the DMs, just trying to put that together. And uh, yeah, he was really, really on for it. And um, we had a really good conversation. It felt like, you know, it, it's funny. You don't know these people and you walk away feeling like, you know, you've, you've really gotten to know someone new um, so the conversations with Joe it was recorded I think in maybe January February um, so it's been like I said this, or like you said Dave excuse me the podcast has been um, a while in the making but I think that uh, the quality personally I think the quality pays dividends um, and reflects that so uh, yeah it'll be Joe Hurts this Monday and um, we'll be giving uh, new episodes we'll be putting up new episodes on the last Monday of each month so yep. um, just because, because are, they are long form 
<laughs> yeah, and there are like like we have like, there are some in the bank as well. Like I say, you have been working way hard in the background. You will continue to. I know you're looking to get in touch with as many people as possible. And you know, interesting stories always come out of these things. Uh, and yeah, so I, we're all very excited, and we hope you are as well, listener. And like I say, I mean this. Uh, this show is going to go out on our main feed, but it is through our, our kind of Patreon page that we have the opportunity to do extra work like this. So if you like the show, if you like that show, if you like anything that we do and want to consider supporting us for the price of a pint or a takeaway coffee or however you choose to, however you choose to mathematize it, is that a word? That's not a word at all, it is, is now. it? <laughs> It is now. Uh, the point is, it's patreon.com slash noancore if you would like to help support this show, and we would be very, very grateful in return. We'll be recording a new episode of No Oxcord, I think the weekend after this one, perhaps a little bit later than that. End of the month recommends corner. Yeah, get episodes previews as well. And like I say, uh, it, it encourages uh, new projects like this. So watch this space. Sure. Always more happening. Adam, thank you so much for now, and we'll hear more from you in just a few days' time. Thank you very much, guys, for having me. I'm going to go back to my silent hovel now for the rest of the show. <laughs> Which it's actually a very nice studio. It. It's not yeah, a hovel at all. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I, yeah, I will say it's great here. I don't, <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't tend to do the podcast. I tend to do it from the comfort of my own home. But I actually have a nice studio chair today. So whatever yeah, the center, it's always a good vibe. It's like you know, it's like our own Rick Rubin sitting there, the beatific smile. It's very calming, I find. Yeah, yeah. and it looks yeah. like it's air conditioned as well. He looks. He, it he is looks not. Nice and cool. It is not. It's right. not air conditioned. It's hell in here. Well, let's well, go with the show. Uh, let's let, <laughs> let's see if it's heaven or hell in our new section, please, Adam. Before you uh, disappear forever, he's not going anywhere. Don't worry. Please hit that musical sting. <laughs> You heard about the good news? Oh, we'll get to you in a moment, Kanye West. Do not worry. But for now, first, the big headline of the day. The Mercury Music Prize nominations are out, Craig. They come out this afternoon. I assume you fled your desk at work to, to catch them in time. It's a very big moment for everyone in the music industry. It's huge, yeah. The entire family gathered around the wireless. And extended family. <laughs> People happening. came in droves. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this, of course, is... Uh, I always call the the Choice Music Prize the you know Irish equivalent of the Mercury Music Prize. I'm going to reverse that trend, though. I'm going to call the Mercury Prize the UK equivalent of the Choice Music Prize. Uh, there are 12 albums up for nomination for the awards ceremony, and they are Arlo Parks, Collapsed in Sunbeams, Berwyn, Demo Tape, Slash Vega, Black Country, New Road, For the First Time, Celeste with Not Your Muse, Floating Points, Pharaoh Sanders and the London Symphony Orchestra, Promises, Gets and Conflict of Interest, Hannah Peel, Fur Wave, Laura Mvula, Pink Noise, My Boys Mogwai, As the Love Continues, <laughs> Nubia Garcia, <laughs> Nubia Garcia, Source, Salt, Untitled, Open Brackets, close, uh, Rise, Close Brackets, and finally, uh, Adam's current album of the year, I think, Wolf Alice and Blue Weekend. So that's the Mercury Prize shortlist. Um, snubs, we always love the snubs corner when yeah. these things happen. Snubs for me would include For Those I Love, which I was very surprised not to see nominated. Fontaine's DC, Dry Cleaning, Black Midi, and Anna B. Savage. I've seen some people say that Jessie Ware was snubbed, but I believe she was actually snubbed last year. Uh, I'm honestly not entirely sure of the eligibility process this time, especially when it comes to Irish acts. Some people have been asking questions about that on Twitter today. Um, anything stand out for you? I think Arlo Parks might win, despite my that that's a very boring record. It is quite a boring record. I do think she's in with a great shout. Um, as ever, I kind of go to the judging panellist. Uh, I'm always intrigued to see who's on there. Uh, Michael Kiwanuka was on it this year. He obviously won it last year. Join Hang on a Sykes. second. 
isn't he in Salt, allegedly, or has worked with them? That, that seems like a conflict of interest right there. Yeah, he actually has lent his vocals to their stuff. So is he on Rise? I'm just thinking now. That's very interesting. He might interesting. be on the other one. He might be on Black Is. But that's still like, really? Um, yeah, yeah, also, yeah. It, but you're, do you know what? This, like, the industry is so incestuous anyway. Is there anyone with yeah, a, yeah, course, you know, a yeah. horse in the race? Because uh, I was going to say, um, Anna Calvi there, Annie Mack, uh, the head of music at Six Music uh, and Radio 2, Jeff Smith, and Six Music have really been pushing Arlo Parks. Um, I think there's a lot of kind of UK industry that have been ensuring she gets on the airwaves. She's got a couple of great radio singles for sure. Even Six Music though, I'm like, she's such a polished kind of pop sound. I'm not even sure if that's the right placement. I agree with you. I don't really think it warrants a place on this list. There's a good number of records, I'll just be honest, that I haven't listened to myself um is mogwai your best or it would obviously be your favorite in terms of personal uh, they're favorites. not gonna win they have no, no chance no but the whole story of them like fucking you know hitting what, the, the charts and adding ricky gervais like on twitter and yeah that was the cultural moment <laughs> <laughs> uh this to me feels like kind of a lifetime achievement nomination or something i'm delighted they're there um but i can't imagine that they'll win um i think arlo parks would be my favorite followed by Getz, who actually just lost out to mm. mogwai in that chart battle and was very magnanimous in doing so uh, and also, I think Salt would be my other kind of top three yeah, choice. But then it, it could be fucking anybody. I mean, like it's interesting to see Wolf Alice are back on it. They won it two, year, two three years ago. So I they think. won't win um, it again. I would, I would venture. They're probably perhaps too, slightly not. too established. Maybe. Um, did yeah? I mean, like I, I thought for those I love was kind of going great guns in the UK, but I really thought his name would have been called out there today. I was very surprised. I mean, that he on wasn't. you know, quality wise that's a winner to me but it's like it's hard to gauge when we're just seeing kind of content from across the IRC and we're like yeah you know he's doing really well it seems like people are picking up on it I can't really get a sense of the mood over there and like whether people have stuck with it I don't know it's yeah it's a pity for sure remains to be seen and as, as is always the case it's no Ivor Novello thank you we'll for saying on. it <laughs> I've got that written down as a note my only note today Ivor <laughs> your only note today I'm carrying this episode am I okay on, the, good, on good this to learn pad it. I have good, good to learn uh, <laughs> mid recording excellent okay Craig on Kanye is uh, going to be fun isn't it <laughs> it's coming up he's done it's, what it's, <laughs> it's coming up but it's, uh, not, not for a few stories uh, first let's pay tribute to uh, a member of the music industry who tragically passed away this week Adam once more I, I command you to press a button that plays music please do you have a man she tried to pretend she said no i don't i only have a friend come on i'm not even going for it it's what i'm going to say you you got what i need but you say he's just a friend and you say he's just a friend oh That's the, uh, I think it's fair to say, iconic Just a Friend by the definitely iconic Biz Markey, who passed sure. away at the age of 57 last weekend. Uh, he had been hospitalised last year for an illness related to type 2 diabetes and had reportedly suffered a stroke. And I think it was Friday night, the news kind of filtered through that he'd passed away. Um, his representative, Jenny D. Izumi, said it's with profound sadness that we announce with his wife Tara by his side, hip-hop pioneer Biz Markey peacefully passed away. We're grateful for the many calls and prayers of support 
support that we've received during this difficult time. Biz created a legacy of artistry that will forever be celebrated by his industry peers and his beloved fans whose lives he was able to touch through music spanning over 35 years. He leaves behind a wife, many family members and close friends who will miss his vibrant personality, constant jokes and frequent banter. We respectfully request privacy for his family as they mourn their loved one. Craig, uh, this kind of came out of nowhere, I guess, in terms of just I mean like I say he had previously been hospitalized last year but it was just one of those kind of things that flashes up on Twitter on Friday night and you're like oh fuck really I know because such a big character as well um just the vibes he gave off as well like all the you know the outpouring of grief a lot of people saying you know the big takeaway from Biz's career his life was be yourself he was like a true creative force a true artist and that everything he put out was just the unvarnished him, unapologetically so. And yeah, much more I would say than is Just a Friend is an absolute classic. It's an all-timer. I have great memories to listen to that song, but he did so much more than that even. Um, yeah, when the news kind of filtered through, I posted um, a clip of him on stage doing a cover of Benny and the Jets, the Elton John song. <laughs> I think he, it was actually a tribute to Adam York uh, from Beastie Boys, like he, who had just had a, a newborn daughter at the time, uh, which was very sweet as well. And it's just like him doing that song. And when he gets to those high notes, not like doing that thing where you duck down like an octave to kind of save yourself, just screaming <laughs> joyously instead, <laughs> which is just so good. I was like, you know, that voice will be missed. And um, it actually prompted my cousin Gareth um, who is a grown-up geologist who I don't speak to that often but he spent time growing up in Boston like late 80s early 90s um, and he kind of reached out DM'd me and he was saying um, he adored that clip he hadn't seen it before and you know the comment on it was perfect in terms of like we should all approach life like Bismarcky. And he said he, he, he remembers hearing uh, It's Spring Again, which is another amazing song, when he lived in the States. And he was just thinking at the time when he was like a young teen, this guy will just do shit his own way and fuck everything else, but in such a lovely way, uh, which I think just about sums it up. And I can only imagine how amazing it would have been to hear a song like that in the wilderness, just as it happened, as a moment, and just being completely captivated by it as a kid and inspired. And then, you know, so many years on, still kind of, having that kind of tender feeling towards them so yeah um songs like that make the music with your mouth there's lots of great stuff to check out with biz and um it's sad that this has kind of prompted that expiration for sure well said yeah rest in peace biz marky let's have a quick mark hoppus update of blink 182 we talked about him last month he was diagnosed with cancer uh, he's given an update of his own and he said the scans indicate that the chemotherapy is working i still have months of treatment ahead but it's the best possible news i'm so grateful and confused and also sick from last week's chemo but the poison the doctors pump into me and the kind thoughts and wishes of the people around me are destroying this cancer just going to keep fighting he also said that he has stage four diffuse large b-cell lymphoma which is the same type of cancer that his mother once battled and beat uh yeah so essentially like you know obviously praying for mark hoppus we've talked about him briefly on the show before huge huge fan of his like you know one of the music's good guys i would think and it's it's nice to see him kind of reacting positively to his situation and giving us all a bit of hope there 
Um, I should say, while we're kind of on the subject of such things, I just want to send from the show uh, best wishes to Angela Dorgan, um, who many people, you, you can't work in the Irish music industry and not know who Angela is, but for yeah. anyone who doesn't know, uh, Angela Dorgan is the director of First Music Contact. She's the chair of the Campaign for the Arts, which has done so much hard work over the last year alone with regards to trying and get artists paid during the pandemic. And she also uh, runs Ireland Music Week, which is formerly known as Hardworking Class Heroes. Uh, she recently publicly revealed a breast cancer diagnosis and has begun chemotherapy herself. Uh, she also got her head shaved for charity just this week. And if, if you've met Angela, you know, the, the first thing you see when you meet her is her incredible blonde curls before you see the big smile as well. Um, so, you know, it was kind of a, a very noticeable moment. Um, she has asked people to consider donating to First Music Contact's COVID-19 relief fund to support the Irish music industry if they if they wish to. You can do so at firstmusiccontact.com slash COVID-19 relief fund. And yeah, essentially, like, I mean... <clears throat> I just want to say that Angela's a fucking hero and, you know, it was, I think a lot of people were rocked by that news recently when she kind of put it on Twitter that she was going through this and she was kind of very grateful to the people that she'd been working with in terms of like hospital care. Um, I should say as well, I mentioned that, you know, she helped run Ireland Music Week slash Hardworking Class Heroes. A few years ago, I spoke on a panel about mental health and music there, having written that piece for Joe. And I remember at one stage, I can't remember if it was when I was when I was uh, participating in the panel or if it was afterwards, but I said at one stage that like I, I wasn't sure if I felt you know, like that I should be there or if, or if, you know, like, like that I kind of felt a bit lost or uncomfortable or something or whatever it was. And I remember there was a moment afterwards when Angela kind of came up to me and gave me this very beautiful smile. And she was like, you do belong here. And she was, she was just extremely fucking nice and went out of her way to make me feel okay. And, um, yes, like she's an incredible force in nature. Uh, so yeah, just like basically like to wanted to shed her out and give her best wishes as she begins this battle which I'm sure she'll fucking conquer because she's yes, a boss 100%. so best uh, best wishes to you Angela um, and now <laughs> we teased it we mentioned it it's time it's, I think it has been a while, uh, been a while. Let's, <laughs> let's hear that music attention everyone one one shut up Craig on Kanye is it happening is it actually happening? It's happening, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Tell, so. tell everyone what's happening or what may have happened by now. Kanye's back, baby. <laughs> There's a new <laughs> album out right now and it is glorious. Completely finished, out on time. <laughs> Maybe his best work in a decade. Um, we hope. Yeah. So fingers crossed we are getting, I think, the 10th studio album, uh, solo album from Kanye. Friday. It's called Donda. It's, uh, you know, in tribute to his late mother. Um, so you would imagine he's not going to be messing about with a title like that. The signs have been pretty good, right? So what do we know? The problem with a story like this is like we will know less than the listener probably, but we know there's been track lists appearing on whiteboards, <laughs> appearing on Instagram. There will be apparently a live event uh, this evening, uh, Thursday evening, to kind of debut the record. People have been talking about, you know, we've, we've got a lot of the quotes of, it's like he's hungry again. It's like he's broken, he's hungry and he's, he's you know, <laughs> I can't believe anything is said about any of the records. But what I will say is that in terms of a rollout thus far, um, he hasn't been like, going off on social media um, in any kind of great way. It's been a quiet rollout. It seems like he's focusing on the music. Don, the work started on it as, as early as um, 
March 2020, I believe, and there was problems, like I remember Push at the time, or maybe in the summer saying, you know, he was due to hop on it, but COVID stuff delayed it. So he's been tinkering away at this thing. Uh, one of the confirmed tracks, No Child Left Behind, snipper from that has already been used in this commercial for like the Olympics and Apple Music, but also Beats and Kanye West. And it's like one of those, you know, inspirational ads, which Carrie Richardson and uh, a Gestaffelstein uh, Stein production, I believe, uh, sounded quite nice. Couldn't judge much from that. But what I will say is it seems to all be part of an Apple Music collaboration. And you would imagine a corporation at this point that is... Um, <laughs> being a creative partner to Kanye West would be like, can you send us um, the masters and the full completed work um, now, please? And then we'll, you know, arrive on the release date and we'll put it out. And I, I'm I'm staking my reputation on this record being out. I think it will be out more or less on time. I don't foresee like those, those late nights of the past where like Mike Dean would be getting high on Twitter and being like, yeah, just mixing it now, like fucking 12 hours after it's supposed to be out. I think this is going to be a professional rollout. Um, apparently it's still about God, but has various sounds and he's back cursing again. So as I, as I wag my pen, Dave. He is actually wagging his pen. Like, like, like you're on some kind of weird late night political (laughs) round table. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think this is a goer. I, I, like, I just I want it to be good, I'm not speaking Craig. to the quality. Oh, I, I can't want guarantee songs. that. I, want, okay. well, um, I can't guarantee it'll have songs, Dave. <laughs> I want songs to be finished. Yeah, I want, I want them to actually finish songs. That'd be good this time, you know? Fully finished, written and produced songs it will be a start. will be a step in the right direction for him. Look, we love him. For sure. He's the painter saint of the show. Donda is the record that will hopefully be out because we will, of course, review it next week if it is. But, you know, now that you've, you've been very bullish, Craig, you've been Melvin Ben have, levels yeah, of bullish. Instant regret. So, amazing amazing okay listen from one uh, musical virtuoso to another matt bellamy of muse has done a thing this week uh he has recently purchased the 1983 blonde usa fender telecaster that jeff buckley played on his 1994 album grace and he's no slouch he's using the guitar for actual music purposes to record muse's next album and a solo track that he's planning to auction off as an nft um, here's some quotes from Matt Bellamy about uh. the acquisition. <clears throat> I had a whole team of people doing due diligence on it to make sure it was absolutely the right one, interviewing his family and all sorts. I managed okay, to okay. get a very... Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> okay, hold on. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I, sh- I should have stopped. I should have given the chance for you to interject. Fair enough. <laughs> doing due diligence, but uh, interviewing his family. Like he's a fucking detective. Like yeah. grilling them. This man <laughs> is unhinged. <laughs> Sorry, proceed. Okay, uh, sentence two. I managed to get it verified and I've got his Telecaster that he once used to record the whole Grace album and the song Hallelujah. It's interesting because he was a huge influence on me as a vocalist, but he was actually a great guitarist as well. And obviously Hallelujah is a legendary recording. I haven't bought the guitar to hang it on the wall with a picture of Jeff saying, look what I've got. I've bought it to actually attempt to use it and integrate it and keep this guitar part of music. I'd like to believe that's what he would have wanted. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We'd all like to believe that, or would we? Um, do you believe that? It's, it's um, hard to say. Um, I, I'd like to think that Jeff Bucky would take one listen to what Muse are up to these days and be like, this is garbage. So You don't think Jeff would have been a fan of drones, no? 
Probably not, no. Don't speak for no. the dead. It's a bad thing to do. This what is the I thing. Say? And you know, he was into his hard rock. There was kind of Led Zeppelin covers and I'm sure he, you know, we can often have a caricature of a person and like their somber music and maybe he'd like to cut loose and listen to it. <laughs> nah, probably not. Um, caricature. The worst part of this, <laughs> Go on. The, the worst part of this is the NFT apparently that's being released. Uh, now it is for charity, but it's an NFT. Um, he's recorded a 38 second instrumental and I'm just like, killing the planet killing me you're re-killing jeff buckley i like i like the sentiment of i'm not just buying it to hang it on a wall like guitars are meant to be played grand but do you know do you know what this reminds me of actually i remember reading an interview with um lenny kravitz i think it might have been one of those um cash for questions interviews in what magazine dave q magazine everybody q magazine yeah um, where like readers would send in questions um but he was talking about like the most ridiculous piece of memorabilia or like his actually might have just been his per- most ridiculous purchase ever and he bought a pair of Jimi hendrix's trousers <laughs> and i was just like okay which he had hung up he wasn't wearing them but he had tried them on and he made like an explicit point of being like jimmy was a small guy uh, what can i say and i'm just like jesus man you're, you've Craig, got tra- you've got the dead man's trousers. You're slagging off Jimmy. Craig, it's not who's your Craig, hero. It's Lenny Kravitz. I mean, like if, if this wasn't <laughs> he does what he wants. question, yeah. yeah, it was that or the giant scarf. Remember the giant scarf? That was a good thing. Oh, Couldn't scarf. wear that today. I did like that scarf. Could you not? Uh, sorry, why? Because when, you cancelled? No, I meant as soon as I said that, and the way I said it, I was like, no way. That sounds like I'm implying that. No, I meant as in because it's really fucking oh, hot. I thought it was going to be like cultural. Couldn't wear that today. <laughs> The, the giant scarf people. I was like the Scandinavians, or yeah. <laughs> Look, you mentioned the word caricature earlier on. Something about music. I had a wonderful little link, which unfortunately I didn't I'm get ruined. to get off. Yeah. No, it's fine. It's okay. I, I'm recovering. I'm being resilient. It's the summer of resilience. Uh, let's go to Kiss Corner. <laughs> Thanks to Matt Bellamy for recording that for us on Jeff Buckley's yeah. <laughs> 38 seconds. Uh, Twisted Sister frontman Dee Snyder has become the latest high-profile name to dismiss Gene Simmons' controversial claim that rock is dead. I'm obsessed with this, Craig. Someone's going to have to yeah. stop me. Because um, you made the point that you were like, he's just saying this from a business point of view. And actually, it makes sense. But people like me and Dee Snyder have been like, no, man. So uh, Dee Snyder said that it's absolute bollocks, essentially. Uh, nothing makes me crazier than the words rock and roll is dead it's so selfish so self-serving so self-absorbed self this self that it's just wrong get out of your fucking house open your fucking ears and eyes and just look around stop hiding when gene simmons says let me tell you something there's no bob dylan's or Jimi hendrix no you're just not looking uh and so on and so forth uh do you think that this conversation is uh am i beating a dead horse now craig would that be fair to say I'm glad you brought it up because um, it gave me a chance to look back at Gene's quotes. And my favourite bit is <laughs> where he talks about rock being dead, right? And I did agree with the point because I think he talked about the, the business end of things and that kind of makes sense pragmatically. And he's nothing if not a pragmatic man. But he says uh, as well, and that's because new bands haven't taken the time to create glamour, excitement and epic stuff. And then his first example is, I mean, Foo Fighters is a terrific band, but that's a 20 year old (laughs) band. And I'm just like, this is his fucking high watermark. Do you know what I mean? This is how relevant he is. This is him like 
as Dee says, not getting out of the house whatsoever. Occasionally seeing stuff that I guess Dave Grohl probably sends him. I'm like, look what I'm up to, Gene. And yeah, so I'm back in D on this one. I'm okay, Jared. listen, listen. No, 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 listen. Uh, uh, you're being you're being professional and diplomatic, and I appreciate that. And you're also being my friend. But the time has come. The time has come for me to step away from Kiss Corner. So we're going to saunter to another part of the street. Hit the music. <laughs> Oh no! Oh no! No, I'm back. I've been, I've been, I've been summoned back with a giant magnet. Apparently, my studded belt has been caught. I'm back on Kiss Corner. Kiss frontman Paul Stanley has discussed the idea of reuniting with the band's original lineup, calling it "quote impossible." During a new interview, Stanley was asked why fans are obsessed with the idea of the original quartet playing together again. He said, "Well, the original four are the original four. We were the ones who started this and created the template that we still stand by today." I think where people go wrong is that when they think things can remain timeless, time and that time does not take its toll. You may want mom and dad back together, but it didn't work out. And we had amazing moments and amazing times. So we did some phenomenal things together, which look timey to them forever. But that's not the fairy tale. It doesn't end there. I've said before, we couldn't have been here without Ace and Peter, and we couldn't be here today without Ace and Peter. He just goes on. Um, Craig, yes. do you clamor? Do you clamor for a return to the original lineup of Kiss? <laughs> I would go and see them live at this point. Um, oh yeah, They're probably any lineup. To be honest, as, as long as Gene does the tongue thing, um, can't believe I just said that. What I will say from Paul's quotes is that <laughs> I don't know anything about his personal life, but it struck me that that is a man that had the you may want mom and dad to be back together, but it didn't work out. Conversation, <laughs> sit down conversation before it just seemed like that came very natural to him. I don't know. That's fair. Okay, listen, coming natural to us, though, is our pivot to the album review. Much, much different from some of the stuff you've heard in this news section, not least of all Kiss. Claro, uh, kind of a viral singer-songwriter sensation who definitely impressed us a couple of years ago, is back. She has a brand new record. It's called Sling, but this song is called Blouse. When you're just looking down Something I wouldn't say out loud If touch could make them hear Then touch me now If touch could make them hear Then touch me now it's a cool breeze of a song and what I wouldn't do for an actual cold breeze right now you've no idea but we're halfway through the show and it can only get better Craig who is this Claro figure and what is she after now? Here's my cool breeze of a primer, Dave. Um, Claire Cottrell, Georgia born, uh, Boston raised, I believe, 22 years old, one album under her belt. And it does seem like only yesterday we were reviewing her debut Immunity about two years ago. Um, and also he was seeing her live and marvelling at the ginormous projector she had on stage when she played Dublin. Do you remember that? It was ridiculous. She had a projector on stage and it was the biggest image I've ever seen in my entire life, uh, which I think prompted me to do my best to Alan Johnson and say, you know, if you get a document up on that baby, you were seriously looking at that document. We had a serious look at Immunity. Uh, there was a lot of promise. Rostam was on production. Um I think most notably on the song Sophia, which I, I believe you said, Dave, was the best stroke song in how long? 
This was prior uh, to the last album coming out. This was prior to their comeback. I think I said it was yeah. the best Stroke song in a very long time. But you know me, I love saying that. I love saying like the Walkman, the Rat is the best Stroke song. The Strokes never Strokesed. And I think Claro, uh, Sophia does have a very Strokesy vibe, doesn't it? It, it does. Still does. Yeah, I mean, it sounds exactly like I'll Try Anything Once. So yes, it did. And it was good. <laughs> <laughs> also good was, um, you know, the big takeaway indie pop of Bags, which was one of our tracks of the year. And it's just fantastic. So the story at the moment... Uh, to bring us up to date is that yeah, I was reading Rolling Stone and she's got on the property ladder. Um, so she's At purchased, she's purchased more than five acres of property <laughs> in Massachusetts. And, um, as we meet her in the piece, she is thinking about buying a barn. Uh, so she's planning to churn butter and convert it into a studio. And she's got a taste for the country because she recorded, um, sling with producer, I'll give you a guess, Dave. <laughs> um, does it start with a Jack Antonoff by any chance? Yes, it does. And it ends with a Jack Antonoff. It was recorded um, in a studio that's hidden on a mountaintop outside of Woodstock, uh, because of course it is. And she talks about how every person that's been there was like, the place is fantastic. It has zero internet footprint, uh, which is probably for the best. Keeps it as serene as possible. She feels like she's on a different planet there. So it's kind of, you know, no Wi-Fi, a spiritual journey. And Rolling Stone kind of pegs her as this reluctant Gen Z ambassador in the subhead, which I guess will dispel all that conversation, helpfully. They also say this album is her 70s singer-songwriter album. Um, You know, the work of an old soul raised on Carole King, Joni Mitchell and the Carpenters. Certainly, I would agree that um, this is dipping into the tasteful palette of the 1970s, which is, you know, Jack Antonoff all over. And... Yeah, she's released a newsletter to kind of um, give her feelings about this record. She says the album is a collection of feelings that I never allowed myself to explore. It's filled with topics and experiences that were far too emotional or intense to unravel. Motherhood, sexualization, mental health and a lot of my own mistakes and regrets. Uh, it's also about her dog in parts. And it's a very special record to her and she hopes we enjoy it when it comes around. It's just come around, Dave. How did you find it? I didn't enjoy it, to be really honest with you. Yeah, me neither. No. <laughs> um, you <laughs> so you you sometimes on the show throw out a phrase, like on occasion you say like, you know, am I on crazy pills? And that's how I feel this week because <laughs> all the reviews for this are fucking like, my God, everyone's going crazy and they're going crazy over what I'm sorry. I think this is so boring. Uh, this is an, an album. It's an album length Elliot Smith impersonation and I'm not here for it whatsoever. It's, it's, I, I found it to be an absolute chore to listen to. And like, don't get me wrong. Red flags were raised when it was announced that Jack Antonoff was co-producing it. I was like, oh, fuck. Um, but even then, like getting to the record itself, it's, and I'm not, especially at the age of 22 and your second album, we talked about second albums recently on the show for a top five. I'm I'm in no way against an artist switching it up and trying something completely different and not making the same record again. You know, that should be encouraged. But my God, this sounds like a different, significantly less interesting artist than the one that made Immunity. And I wonder if that's like, was it a Rostam? I'm not taking away her agency. I'm not suggesting that like the songs are her songs, but like, I'm wondering if like, is like if she did another album now in two years time with a different producer like would it be completely different again like i mean like how much influence does the producer wield here um and again like i mean like she seems to be a very forthright interesting person uh, i don't think that she's an industry plant as previously discussed by a lot of people on different corners of the internet yeah 
but I don't know. I mean, this kind of this kind of sounds a bit of a worrying kind of trend, maybe. Um, I was talking to somebody during the week, an Irish musician, who I won't name just in case it ever affects them negatively, because they also didn't like this record. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I was just like, it's getting rave reviews. And they were like, of course it is. It's the Jack Antonoff no structure thing. People think it makes it more quote unquote fancy. And I was like, elaborate on this no structure thing, would you please, mystery person? And the mystery person said, if you listen to the songs, they kind of amble along with no real structure, verses that go on for ages, weird pre-choruses, no real refrains, that kind of thing. On the surface, it makes it more interesting because it's different to what we're used to. But in my opinion, it takes away from the actual songs. It's like a rejection of singing along. When it's done well, it's like Fiona Apple. Weird, interesting shit in each section. Very exciting. But here, it just removes musicality. There's nothing wrong with just a good, solid song. And they close by saying, imagine bags on this album. Torture. Um, Yeah, I just found it so dull and such a chore. And I'm really disappointed because I, I I was like, she's the next big thing and she's great. And and I went back to immunity off the back of this, having suffered through like my fourth or fifth listen. And I went back to immunity and it was like, it was the difference, the difference in vitality, immediacy alone. I'm shocked by it. It genuinely sounds like a totally different person. And I'm really not here for this. Like, oh, I'll just do, it's the seventies. Did we not go through this with St. Vincent not two months ago? And that sucked as well. What's going on? Yeah. Um, the, the point about the kind of interesting formless detours is really interesting because I think this does a good impression of a more interesting album. So points for that, I guess. And yeah, yeah, what I love about the show is that like, unless, you know, if you're, if you're doing a kind of written critique, you'd leave the messiness of your own process out, but I'll say it here. This was laborious, um, to kind of close listen, as you said, particularly in this dead heat, just awfully dreary. Uh, background it was fine but trying to get stuck into it and just there's a lot going on but somehow not that much at the heart of it it just sounded like to me Um, tastefully produced for sure my issue, uh, if you recall with Immunity was and I'm sorry to say was, was Rostam just in terms of him bringing his kind of usual bag of tricks and he's a really accomplished guy but it seemed to me like at times he was kind of serving himself and it didn't quite serve the songs. Uh, there was a bit too much polish. Uh, it hit brilliantly on Bags and a couple of other songs, but I felt it was too crafted um, alongside her. And it's not really get, getting around it, like quite weak, limited vocals. I don't find her that compelling as a vocalist. Uh, it's not even a technical thing. I just think her voice is kind of zero cut true for me. And I remember saying at the time, you know, there's songs here. The songs are here. She's a very good writer. If you did, you know, if she had a different band, if there was kind of, you know, if these choruses were ultra choruses, if, you know, we were making a kind of whole record here, this could be supercharged and a bit more ragged and really interesting as juxtaposition. So that was the route I was like hoping she might venture down. And she's gone like this other avenue, which I guess makes a certain amount of sense, which is like make a virtue of that kind of inward, delicate approach, uh, rein things in, kind of slow things down, uh, which is exactly what she's done here. Like from the opener, we're kind of cooed into this lovely like folk lushness and you've got the Antonov like vintage piano and the weeping steel all going on. And... I think that might suit her in patches, even though he's kind of like an of the moment producer. I think ironically, it gets her away from an identical kind of parallel sound, which is that lo-fi indie pop thing. But just, you're right about the Elliot Smith thing. Um, 
There's also carpenter style harmonies for sure. There's a lot of kind of exquisite facsimiles of different eras. And I just think the melodies aren't really here. Like it comes down to for me, like, I don't think the songs are here. It feels bloodless. If you kind of, if you walked past her playing these songs on the street, I don't think you'd stop. Not to um, throw sound alike for sound alike, but like if you were to think of a more modern thing that she's kind of just doing, I mean, it's just a watered down big thief, isn't it? Like, it's just very like, okay. Well, we're in that I've, 70s terrain for sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, I I mean, maybe I, yeah, like I'm trying to remember now, like maybe I liked Amina any more than you did, but I mean, I I thought she had, I think she still has something. I, I'd agree with you. I, I, th- I think her voice is unremarkable. Um, there isn't a single song on here that I'd take with me. Not one. Like there's not a standout. It's just the same thing over and over again. And it's, it's just so monotonous. It's so leaden. Um, I don't find the lyrics very interesting either. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of shocked. <laughs> like, yeah, it's very empty. A lot's been made of the lyrics and kind of, you know, narratives will be formed around um, a song like Blouse. And, you know, one of the key lines that's been picked out is, uh, why do I tell you how I feel when you're too busy looking down my blouse? Which is, you know, chimes very much with the moment and explorations of kind of toxic masculinity and the industry. And, you know, I wanted to like that approach. Uh, all the takes and kind of lyrical kind of pearls just felt really tepid to me, not compelling. There was no big revelations. I I just felt like there wasn't a lot being said here. I mean, yeah, for sure, you know, going back to difficult second album syndrome, we're closing on a song that is more or less about burnout on the road, which is a real thing. And uh it's got to be tough, but unless you do it really well and creatively in songs, it's been done on every second album ever. And I'm learning nothing new from this. I'm not hearing anything new. I agree there's nothing I'd really take away from it. The production is lovely. She has something, but it's just buried here on under all the kind of floral arrangements. Yeah, I think it's yet another example as well, though, of people reviewing the personality. Like, this is the time to elevate Ash Claro, you know, as opposed to Claire Cotterill, the songwriter. Don't know why yeah. she chose this direction. And listen, I mean, I'm sure lots of other people are hearing something that I'm not hearing. But to me, this is an album for people who want to make friends with music. They don't want to be challenged by music. And I find that a bit fucking boring. Uh, and listen, I talk all the time on the show about like relate my relationship with music and how important I think it is. And like, I, I do have a, you know, physical connection to it. And I, I think that's when music is at its best. And ultimately, fine. If you, if you want to take a very lukewarm approach to music, like, you know, okay but jesus i just can't imagine i can't imagine committing to this i can't imagine being like i mean this was this was so difficult to listen to five times and by the way and this is no one's fault but my own or spotify's because they do this i was listening to it the other day i i, I listened to it for like, the album's what 44 minutes long or so and i was listening yeah. to it for what felt like about 40 minutes so i was like oh it should be coming to the end now and i was like Ah, this just feels really formless and I looked down and I realised I've been listening to the whole thing on shuffle but that was, and that drove me fucking mental that's no one's fault though and that was like listen two or three I have listened to it in full but I didn't feel much different I was just like this is I can't get into this I just can't do it there's, so yeah there's back a, sorry, in the score a, oh yeah go on pack a score on it and then I'll just uh, yeah I mean I came in thinking five but I'm thinking four four out of ten yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with Fife. Um, it was a total, total mid-album for me. And there was a moment on one song where it kind of stops and starts back up again. I remember having a moment where I was just like, oh, she's going back into this for another two minutes. And I was like, oh, this is, sh- this is real prep for the show stuff. This isn't enjoyment whatsoever. 
So five, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. A disappointment. Fair enough. Well, listen, man. Prep for the, the show. Prep for the show is prep for the show. You know, like Craig has the five listen rule and sometimes we go beyond that. We try to never at least come before that, you know, like, I mean, like you, you want to give an album, you want to give an album its breath. You know, you want to, you, you want, you want to do it in the middle of a heat wave as well. And what I am saying is if you appreciate this hard work, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash throw us a fiver if you want to help support the show and we will love you forever. Anyway, listen, on with this show, this episode right now. It's time for our top five. We're going with top five heatwave anthems. And I believe Sonic Architect Adam wants to set the mood. (laughs) Oh, man. So smooth. Yes, <laughs> uh, I feel better. I feel, so I feel better already. I feel so good. Now, that, now that's a song. Let me tell you, <laughs> which, by the way, it should be said. If I recall correctly, last May, I think it was May of twenty twenty, whatever yeah. episode we reviewed, Carsey Headrest, we did top five summer jams. So I want to move now to allay any listener concerns. We are not recycling. This is a very different top five, and I believe it was in fact smooth. That was your number one summer jam that time. But this is different. This is heatwave anthems, and from what I could take from the brief. I believe it's the brief that I decided upon. I came to you with this. Sorry, I forgot. Uh, my approach it was to this last was, weekend when it was ridiculously warm, and you're just still like heatwave anthems, and I'm like, yep, <laughs> still is. Uh, Adam and I were in town for record store day, and it was fucking crazy hot. It was unbelievable. Um, so yeah, heatwave anthems. I've gone with five tracks that to me uh, speak to uh, feeling an out of control level of heat in different ways. Uh, pure, pure, like just like overwhelmingness of of this kind of nature so yeah that was my kind of approach to it i, I, I didn't get too intellectual with it I, as usual i went with how i felt about the situation what about you man uh yeah i mean this is just songs about heat waves being hot <laughs> they are anthemic they're songs that instantly as the weather kicked in i was like okay these might be go-tos so it made sense in that regard and it's not about the season it's not about the summer all right Okay. Right. Well, well, okay. Well, very forthright. Okay. It's not about the season. It's not about the summer. My number five is, let's go. Hot town, summer in the city. Back of my neck, getting dirt and gritty. Bend down, isn't it a pity? Doesn't seem to be a shadow in the city. All around, people looking half dead, walking on the sidewalk, hotter than a match chair. But at night, it's a different world. Go out and find a girl. Come on, come on and dance all night. The heat, it'll be alright And babe, don't you know it's a pity The days can't be like the nights in the summer Yes, of course, it's Summer in the City by The Lovin' Spoonful I want to dedicate that one to a friend of the show, Zara Hedman Who says that I never listened to songs before the year 1990 That one's from 1966, and I rest my case uh, it, To me, it, it, you know, it's uh, not to get all Alan Partridge here But it really captures the frustrations of Summer in the City, if you ask me Everything's too hot, you can't touch oh walls God. Fire hydrants are going off all over the place And you're thinking, Summer in the City um, So, of course, many people will know, they'll recognise that song from the opening uh, stretch of Die Hard with a Vengeance, the third Die Hard film, of there course. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> from, <laughs> from 1995, I believe, when I first heard it. So um, you've seen that film, haven't you, Craig? I, f- I feel like you must have. Very I have, good. yeah. It's a, it's, it's a very good Die Hard. After the slight stumble that was Die Harder. 
Yes. Well, I, I think history's been kind to that one. So do you remember who the villain Craig was? Hasn't... Do you remember who the villain was in Die Hard 3? Oh, yeah, it was Jer- Jeremy Irons, yeah. That's correct. Playing and Simon Says. Yeah, and, yeah. I was going to ask you if you remember what his gimmick was. His gimmick was to throw riddles at our, our intrepid, sweaty hero. Uh, you could call them riddles or you could call them quizzes. And with that in mind... For Craig oh, Fitzpatrick. Fuck, fuck. <laughs> it's too hot. It's too hot. Okay, I'm, go on. <laughs> this is trivia about the sun, is it? Oh my God, I'm so good at quizzes. <laughs> there you go. That's the quiz sting. Um, so I'm going to repeat for you the, the riddles that Simon Gruber throws at John McClane in the film, in the motion picture, Die Hard with the Vengeance. You ready? What? <laughs> Here we go. Here's yeah. the first one. <clears throat> As I was going to St. Ives, I met a man with seven wives. Each wife had seven sacks. Every sack had seven cats. Every cat had seven kittens. Kittens, cats, sacks and wives. How many were going to St. Ives? Yeah, it was just him. It was just the teller of that story. Is that a I number, remember that it? actually from... Oh, sorry, one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I remember that from the film. So there we go. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, here's another riddle that he gives him. What has four legs and is always ready to travel? Um, <laughs> I was going to say a wheelie chair. <laughs> no, it, it's not that. But that is true. <laughs> I guess. Look, I'm demonstrating it right now. Yeah, he is further and further away from the mic. Yeah, just keep going. And I'm back um, on mic. Don't worry about it. So, do you know the answer? Um, four legs and is always ready to travel. Tell us, go on. What's the matter with you, McLean? You, you ain't got kids? It's an elephant joke. It's an elephant, apparently. Uh, two more to go. Uh, what is twenty? Oh, I'll do. I'll do it in the Jeremy Irons. What is twenty-one out of forty-two? What is twenty-one out of forty-two? Now, although if this film was made today, it would be twenty-one out of forty-five or forty-six. Forty-six. Yeah, sorry, twenty-one out of forty-six. What is twenty-one it's out of forty-six? Presidents, is it? Yes. <laughs> You're also, I have there. to name what was the twenty-first president. Yes, of the United uh, States of America. Oh. <laughs> okay, we're right in the middle. Um, that was an eventful time. I'm going to go Lincoln. The answer is Chester A. Arthur. And oh, finally, <laughs> finally, Craig, um, you come across two jugs. The, uh, the only way to disarm the bomb is to fill one of these jugs with exactly four gallons of water and place it on the scale in the suitcase. The problem is the two jugs hold three gallons and five gallons respectively. I'm not actually going to make you do that one. I don't think it would work for the podcast. And also, I can I've never remember I've just got a gun taped to my back, which I'm now going to grab. And yeah, yeah. There's two this, methods of right, doing yeah. it, though, apparently. But uh, the point of the story is, uh, Die Hard 3 is a very good film. And that's a hell of a way to open the film with Summer in the City, which, to be fair, is, it's a heatwave anthem. You know, it, it did the job. And you did a great job yourself, Craig. Well done. Thanks for playing. Thank you. Came full circle. Um, will we go to my number five? <laughs> Sun is shining, Bob Marley. Uh, I could have gone for the original, um, being a little hipster and being like, yeah, this 1971 version. I mean, the baseline on that's fantastic. Check it out, which I just have. Um, but I went with the remix. The remix from what year, Dave? Oh, oh Jesus. Summertime for humanity. 1999. I was going <laughs> to no, actually say 98 or 97. I, I figured it was around that time. 
Yeah, it was. Um, the Summer of Smooth. Uh, this was a remix put together by <laughs> Funkstar <laughs> Deluxe. Do you, reckon, do you reckon people do call it the Summer of Smooth? Anyone outside of like Rob Thomas or Santana himself? I mean, I clearly do. Apparently. I, I'd love it if at the time people were saying that. Oh man, Summer Smooth. <laughs> maybe maybe there's a WhatsApp group chat with all the lads in it. So hang on, um, Funkstar Deluxe, you say? Yeah, he was a Danish house producer. He still is. Um, if you go to his Wikipedia page, it's mainly about this song. Like the opening line is, Funkstar was first exposed to Marley's music as a teenage keyboardist in an amateur reggae band. And yeah, this was like a huge hit. Uh, top 20 in nine countries was one of those ones as well that was like, I think it was number one here, just a huge kind of Irish song. Um I'd imagine instant nostalgia, Dave, when you heard that, right? It'd been a while since I'd heard it. I always couple it with like, um, you know, stuff like Samba de Janeiro, just all those kind of tropical, like early house crossover songs at the time, um, blasting from FM 104 or I don't know, whatever radio station you were listening to. But yeah, big vibes. Yeah, it reminds me of that. It reminds me of stuff like, I guess just whatever pop culture was doing the rounds at the time, you know, kind of like Dario G, Sunshine and that kind of stuff as well. It just has the sound of summer. Is it especially hot though? Is it molten, would you say? I mean, the sun is shining. The weather is sweet. Um, Bob Marley was a man that was used to the kind of temperatures we're experiencing now. I will say whenever I put on his music, it instantly feels like there's a warmth and a kind of casualness to his stuff that is just intoxicating, I might say. Um, but yeah, I had to, I had to go with the summertime. Sorry, have, have, you, have you hit the face of your life where you're getting into Bob Marley? Is that what's happening? Are you going from Steely Dan to Bob Marley? I, I had that phase, I think, maybe a decade ago. There was actually a really helpful um, Q Magazine buyer's guide, Dave. Of course there um, was, So yes. check out Exodus. <laughs> We but need to come on, the bingo you haven't stuck on something stage. like Is This Love or like no. Waiting in Vain and being like... No, 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 no. Because there's always oh, some... dude. There's, there's always Stick some, on those songs. There's always some jerk, around town there's always on jerk a nearby blaring. Hang doing on. the same thing. Yeah, you said a decade ago. I met you a decade ago. So were you coming yeah. out of the Bob Marley? Because I, I never recall you playing him in the office in opera ever. <laughs> Why do you think I had those dreads, Dave? Yeah, he didn't I did not have dreads. Not I did not have dreads. No, no. Okay, we'll move on. Let's move on. I think so. Right. Uh, up next, uh, I've often said that this band are better than the Beatles, and I stand by it, even though this song is not one of their best. But, you know, it fits the bill. Yes, it's Girls Aloud and Long Hot Summer. Craig is openly laughing at my picks now every time they kick in. You're either having a great time or you're... you're I'm you, having uh, a great time. I love this song. I love Girls Aloud. They're great. They're a fantastic outfit. I'm, I'm a huge fan. Always have been. Long Hot Summer. from the, It was a lead single from their third studio record, Chemistry, written by Xenomania. 
of course, who were behind some of their best songs. It was actually written for a film that it didn't end up on. It was written for Herbie Fully Loaded, the 2005 Lindsay Lohan-fronted uh, reboot of everyone's favorite Herbie franchise. And I guess something just fell through. There's a weird thing. So like, so that's why in the music video, they're in a garage. They're all dressed up in boiler suits and stuff that they, of course, stripped oh, down to. Okay. One review says they stripped down, they reveal skimpy clothes beneath them. It's like, whoa. That, like, again, different tabloidy time. Skimpy. The probably is probably still happening. I suppose the Sun and the Daily Mail are probably still you using can the use, word skimpy. I mean, they were being they were wearing skimpy stuff on purpose. I think that was the intention, and clearly there was a, a good creative creative rationale. I mean, there was that Herbie film apparently. Wow, ever the ever the advertiser, Craig. So this is written by Xenomania, an incredible pop production writing house, um, and it was while the band were in LA to meet with Disney. So it was recorded for fully loaded, and the plans fell through. Brian Higgins of Xenomania. Or, Brian Higgins of Xenomania, I should say, has expressed his disdain with this song, saying that chasing the soundtrack disrupted us creatively, it was making us miserable, something had to come out, and that was Long Hot Summer. It was made in a panic, it was a disaster record, I can't stand it. Wow. And also, uh, it became the first Girls Aloud song to miss out on the top five in the UK singles chart. I think it went at number seven. And even the critics at this point were kind of like, oh, I don't know. I'm not really feeling it. Stylist magazine said it was a misstep, fizzy and sparkling. But if pop can only be described as such, then it goes flat long before October rolled on. Um, yeah, it. Uh, I, I thought this was better received than I, I guess I thought it was. I think it's a bit of a bop. I, I, I probably wouldn't put it in their top ten, though. I, w- I will say that. No, I, I actually just opened their um, singles uh, discography because they had such an amazing run. Incredible. Uh, yeah, so like Sound of the Underground, great. No good advice, great. I'm not going to read them all, but like... No, do, do. Go followed on, well. up. <laughs> it's about 25 uh, Life, got cold, Life Got Cold, which is like your standard uh, third single ballad, but was actually quite good. Jump, which is brilliant. Do the show, jump, which is great. Jump is brilliant. Well, that's questionable. Jump is great, isn't it? It's fine. What film was that? The, uh, that was on a film soundtrack. Can you remember? Oh, it was some English comedy, was it? Yes. Was it, like, it wasn't like fucking St. Trinian's or something, was no, it? But it? No, but no, 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 This is a huge one, and it's, like, become, like, a fucking, like, cinema staple. Like, it plays... Oh, Love Actually. S- Love Actually, which I can't Maybe I don't stand. like that song. Maybe I'm thinking of Love Machine. <laughs> Keep going. Um, the Show, which is very good. Love Machine, which is great. I'll Stand By You, which I never liked. Wake Me Up, can't remember it. We're waning here. Long hot summer, but then they recover with biology. Which Incredible, is class. Their second best song. Yeah. Um, See the day. Can't remember that. Whole lot Isn't of history. It, about the, they're both ballads. Yeah, something kind of ooh. Bit of a it's bop. decent, decent. Hang on, you've definitely skipped one. You've skipped the, their best song. If you're going no, chronologically. No. All right. Oh, have I? Yeah. No, no. This, this isn't chronological because. Or maybe, yeah, or maybe I'm, going, I'm wrong. I'm going cro- yeah, let's, right, fine, let's just keep going. So I, I think we're alone now. Um, oh no, yeah. Adam's still there. No, sorry, that was the song. Uh, Walk This Way <laughs> with Sugar Babes. Not great. That was for the comic that. relief that was or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. So then, then. Here it comes. Here we go. Are here you ready go. for the fucking run? <laughs> did, did it, did it, did it. No, no, did no, no, it. sorry. No, oh, no. <laughs> hold your horses, hold your <laughs> We're building up to that. But the run's right. incredible. Sexy No No, which is great. Call the shots, which is incredible. Ice cold Can't banger. Can't speak French, which is great. Mm-hmm. 
The promise. The promise. Yeah. Everybody, the stop horns. what you're doing. Do, 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 stop what you're doing. Do, 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 do. Forget <laughs> football terrorists. But, but, uh, I um, wish if England had have adopted that instead of Sweet Carolina, would have been well up for them. Oh, 100%. Yeah, without question. I would have hoped they, they thrashed the Italians, but uh, they didn't. Uh, the promise and is then, their best song. Yeah, then The Loving Kind was pretty good. Untouchables, something new, beautiful because you love me, and they were kind of done at that stage. But yeah, what a geez, run, though. Quite, quite a run. What a run. Incredible. And, and that this song is rules. a list. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of lists, why don't you continue yours, man? <laughs> All right. Let's not lose sight of the fact that this heat wave is being caused by global warming. Here you go. Great. <laughs> Childish Gambino, uh, Donald Glover, and yeah, I said in my little spiel at the start, this isn't about summer. <laughs> this song is feels like summer. Um, it feels like summer. <laughs> oh come on! Just commit to it. It is the summer, and the summer is. Yeah, and I just realised my number one. My, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is, of course, about. Um, global warming if you took in this was released as part of the summer pack which was uh, a little two song release of summertime magic which was a bit throwaway and this which took me a while to grow into but now is actually one of my favorite um gambino songs it was july 2018 this is america had just been released with the video he was the man of the moment and this came out with its own great video um animated just kind of um glover walking along through his neighborhood watching all basically some of the biggest names in hip-hop at the time just kind of interact and i guess the thinking behind it was you know you're watching all these stars and you're getting caught up in celebrity culture and entertainment and underneath it all are these lyrics about i mean you can hear you know choking sounds there you can hear birds pretty much sounding like they're falling out of the trees we're running out of water. Um, basically, there's more pressing issues than whatever's uh, happening in pop culture or on Twitter at the time. I think this is really great. I love the kind of synthetic steel drums. I think it does a good kind of pastiche of those songs. I think there's some real soul to it when he, if he leaps into that falsetto. It's very Marvin-esque. And I found myself surprisingly coming back to this song quite a lot. And it would end up being the best song on his his most recent album, which, can you remember the name of it, Dave? I've oh got God, it in front it was, of me, it, but it I couldn't tell you. It was the release date, so was it something like 3, 12, 20, like 19 You're very close, you're very close. Three fifteen twenty. 20, yeah. Um, just arrived in time for lockdown and the pandemic. Um, weird, low-key release. Um there's been times I've tried to go back to it and I'm like, I bet you I'm going to go back and like sink into this and it's going to be great. And 
There's just not a lot to it. This is the best song on it. It just song, passed everyone by. There's a song on there called Algorithm, which is like Algorithm's half, pretty it's ha- good. It's half yeah. a great song. It kind of changes tack halfway through and then it's like, it all right. It was so weird, wasn't it? It's just like, you know, the build up to the release, where he was, his stature at the time, it seemed like he could do no wrong in the eyes of many and just kind of petered out with a whimper. Like he said he was going to retire that moniker. Uh, focus on films. I mean, his career is going extremely well. He's fine, but um, disappointing for sure. Yeah, and it's a fair approximation. So last Saturday, I mentioned I was in town with the boy Adam. We're hanging out, and you know, it was just so oppressingly hot. And at one stage, I thought I, I had a thought, Craig. I had a thought. A thought came to me, and the thought sounds a bit like this. Most exciting thing I do, hang halfway out a third floor window, maybe throw that cigarettes down. And maybe I'll catch fire Something warm to hold me Something pure to burn away the darkness That hides inside my mind All that evil shit's not So the thought was, maybe I'll catch fire Which is the name of this song And the band are Alkaline Trio um, I also should note that in my bag I had uh, Alkaline Trio's From Here to Infirmary The uh, reissue for Record Store Day Which is a beautiful, beautiful blood red vinyl But this is their second album Which is called Maybe I'll Catch Fire um, Just a really, really good song By a really, really good punk band But it got me thinking, Craig And I wonder if you had this thought process yourself In those 30 seconds So Alkaline Trio have got two vocalists Matt Skiba who of course has ended up in Blink-182 these days. Yeah. And the guy that you heard there, Dan Andriano. And what's interesting to me is this style of vocal that he has, which is very in keeping with like Craig Finn of the whole Steady, uh, that kind of almost Randy Newman-esque, almost Greg Proops-esque thing where it's, you know, and like I normally fucking hate that. But for some reason, I quite like it when he does it. And I wonder... Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Randy Newman doesn't do it for you, but the boys, that's fair. You know? I do wonder, but I wonder if it's because it's a back and forth and like, you know, he'll take a song, Matt Skiba will take a song and it makes it go down it a bit 100% easier. 100% is. And yeah, I, yeah, I mean, because I have to wonder if, for example, if I had to stumble upon Alkaline Trio and he was the only singer, I don't know if I would like them, but I love them as it happens. I think they're a great band. My love for the Libertines is kind of based on that thing of like the, you know, the interchange between the two of them. You need Carl. You can't just have a whole album of Pete because that becomes a baby shaman's album. So it's the same thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah, which is interesting. I mean, like, I'm trying to think of other examples of that happening. And I guess it really does kind of underpin the importance of uh, the vocal and just having a vocal that you don't get turned off by straight away. I mean, like, like it's it's not uncommon for a rock band or a punk band to have two vocalists, but I guess it's not really the norm still somehow like you anticipate that you've got your front man that's it your front woman um and i think with Aquaman trio like the swap out has kind of worked quite well over the years um a, a band i would like i would argue are somewhat underrated they had an album out about three years ago which i admittedly kind of missed at the time and do need to go back to um but i love this song um even the cover art for this record is like a fucking horrific hell it like blaze and like clearly like it looks like a whole fucking town is on fire um 
And yeah, it's just like that kind of devastation thing. There's a lot of the introspection stuff as well. The guy's clearly having a bad time and who of us can't relate to that. Um, I will say as well, by the way, like, I mean, like, I, like, I don't know how you're finding this heat, but like, um, I've been criticized quite a bit this week by a, a whole bunch of people, whether it was through a Zoom window <laughs> or in person for uh, committing to my all black wardrobe. So I wear black t-shirts and black trousers or black like jeans, whatever, all the time. And usually top it off with like some kind of white runner kind of situation. That's kind of, that. that's my style and I'm paying paying for it this week and literally i swear to god man saturday in particular get one by the time i got home i was like i don't think i can move this is absolutely oppressive and terrible how do you do it white t-shirt wearing people how do you do it craig's wearing you're red taking by the way the, i am it's uh it's kind of like a cherry red you're taking the johnny cash man in black approach and um, that's me yeah yeah I'm, I'm taking the John, the, the John Cusack, the John Cusack and Gross Point Blank, which actually, to be fair, Alcalantria, I've got a very, very similar style. So what can I say, Craig? I'm a goth, I suppose. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Okay, my number three. And a lot of, a lot of these songs had to kind of pass the when you're out driving around and the sun is blazing and it's a heat wave. What songs would you go to and stick on? Um, for example, last week as I was going to Super Value to get some sourdough bread. And this passed the sourdough, sourdough bread test. So Excellent. I had to go in. <laughs> Yeah, a song called Heatwave had to go in. Martha Reeves and the Vandellas, um, who people will know for Dancing in the Street, um, which is kind of another one of those songs that works on a sunny day, but like, you know, maybe forever tarnished by Bowie and Jagger, you might I'm, say. I'm going to stop you no right there. I, I, that elevated. Like, I mean, that's just slander, isn't it? I mean, like, there's no need to speak so ill about something so wonderful and great. We've talked before that's on fair. this show about the magic of that union, and maybe we, maybe it's time to talk about it again. Or maybe it isn't. I'm just thinking of that long coat that Bowie's wearing. I'm just like, oh my God. And the pantaloons, the baggy pantaloons of Jagger. <laughs> he, was in his, he was big in his um, turquoise bag at that point in time, which is an interesting era, which I believe is called the 80s. But Heatwave is, um, has none of that. Although apparently <laughs> Phil Collins covered it. Like a decade ago, I haven't heard that version. Thank Christ, I love this. Yeah, you're gonna was have to go with Phil Collins, are you? What is this? What kind of drive by are you performing oh, today? Fucking divorce core, Phil Collins. My God, can't <laughs> with Phil Collins. Divorce we should have core. a. <laughs> go on, we should have he a witch. Totally is right. You want to do a top five divorce core? I will do it. Neither of us have been Ooh, divorced though. That could be interesting. Uh, could we yeah, do it though? It, like, like as as people who haven't been married, much less divorced. We could do it. Um, we could do it. I mean, there's lots of things we haven't done that we've done top fives on. In Driving, for example, yes. Um, Driving was, yeah, particularly controversial one. And maybe we'll park it for a while. Um, no nice. pun intended. N- nicely done. Just oh, fantastic story. <laughs> Wonderful work. I know, right? I know, right? Um, this song was written by Holland Dozier Holland, which is one of the best songwriting trios or partnerships of all time. They're fantastic. They did stuff like Baby Love by The Supremes. 
Marvin Gaye is how sweet it is. Stopping the name of love, nowhere to run. Um, this all hard mine by the Icy Brothers. Ah, so fucking good. And this is what I love about this song is it's one of the early Motown songs that really like cemented their place. Um, kind of nineteen sixty three was the number one hit um, on the R&B charts, and it's it's interesting because it it's like it's instrumental for a good minute and a half. It's a really confident song. The horns are fantastic. There's no rush to like fit a formula and somehow it still works. Um, Martha Reeves just such a kind of like, she lets absolute rip on that vocal. She's such a good singer. Uh, I believe she was a secretary at Motown. Uh, so she kind of got her start and then they realized she could sing. It was just one of those like only in the movies kind of stories. And I love this. This is great. There's plenty of songs called Heatwave. There's a good instrumental by Phoenix. There, there's a great song by the Blue Nile. So I was like, I can't put this in because even though it's about a heatwave, it still sounds like it's set in like the fucking cold Glasgow winter. <laughs> so that didn't make it. But this did. And that's my number three. So it's fitting that at this point of the show, as we move into the business end of our top five, that uh, I'm beginning to feel a bit puce. You know, I've got the blind down here, but I feel like I'm getting a tan. Uh, you know, rivulets are beginning to pour down my face. It could only mean it's time for my runner up. Here it is. You can act hard if you want to. This groove will make you sweet. Making his no encore uh, top five debut, it's Prince and the song. <laughs> <laughs> the song is Black Sweat uh, from two thousand and six uh, from the record three one two one. And I mean, like this is a time when I think for a lot of people, you know, Prince was like Prince was doing fucked up things around this time. He was giving away albums with, um, you know, just like the Daily Mail, Daily maybe? Mail, yeah, he <laughs> yeah. did that like at one stage and just like declaring that the internet was dead, all kinds of stuff. And I think it's I think it's fair to say that like at a certain point towards the end of his run. You know, like he, he is godlike, but I think it got away from him a bit in terms of being essential, being regarded as an essential artist, making new music. But every now and then, you get something like this. And this song is absolutely fucking absurd, by the way. I mean, you heard a little snippet of it there. There's essentially like what sounds like a car on fire and the alarm yeah. screaming throughout the entire thing. I mean, like, it's kind of like that Jennifer Lopez on Get Right, except, you know, good. Um, it's got a hilarious music video. Uh, Urban Dictionary defines a black sweat as a sweat worked oh. up during dirty deeds. Most commonly heard in a Prince song, it speaks about hardcore lovemaking and the sweat it brings. Uh, following Prince's passing in April of 2016, Rolling Stone compiled their 25 essential Prince songs and this made it in. They said it may be the best of his late period singles, reminiscent of Kiss, it's nothing but drum machine rhythms, glorious falsetto, and a noodly synthesizer melody that harkens to the Ohio player's funky worm. It may only have simmered on the charts, peaking at number 60 on the Hot 100, but it helped the album debut at top of the charts and earned a handful of Grammy nominations. More importantly, it was a timely reminder that Prince will always have the funk. Um, I thought about another song for this kind of style, and this is, of course... 
your X-rated moment of the heat wave uh, when sweat begins to consume you utterly. Um, Matthew Deere, the producer Matthew Deere, has an amazing song called You Put a Smell on Me, which is very reminiscent of this. And I initially was going to put it in the top five as well. But I was like, nah, I'll keep it to just one so that we don't get the podcast removed from, you know, for kind of being a bit too, a bit, a bit too ostentatious. But do check that one out. It's a hell of a song. As is this, Black Sweat by Prince. Uh, first song I thought of when it came to this top five, had to make it in. It's a God, pure God bless funk him. workout. Yeah. And good for him to get his debut in the top five. Yeah. I was thinking of <laughs> including Dirty Mind for our short albums. And I just had so many options that in one place it said like 29 minutes and something seconds. And another, it was like 30, 13. I'm like, okay, that's out. That's out. But uh, yeah, Prince there. Okay, let's get wholesome. <laughs> for my runner-up, shall we? We'll keep on spending sunny days this way We're gonna talk and laugh our time away I feel it coming closer day by day Life would be I mean, he's probably talking about sex as well. That's grooving. <laughs> the young rascals, those rascals. <laughs> and it's a slice of absolute heaven um, from the summer of 1967, which I believe was the summer of love, Dave. I've heard it <laughs> wasn't said, the yeah. summer of smooth, though. Um, that would come later. <laughs> The, the Young Rascals were a New Jersey band. They were one of those like quintessential 60s bands that like as soon as it hit 1970, like January 1st, it was like the original lineup was off um, and it was just like the end of that. They had a couple of big hits. This was a number one for a long time. I think it was, its run was like broken um, by respect by, by Aretha Franklin's cover of Respect for like two weeks and then it came back. So it was just like, there was some songs doing rounds back then. And this is great. This also, um, I think I discovered this through Joe Strummer's London Calling uh, BBC series, which is great and it's online and people should check out. And it's also, I think this was featured in the episodes that also featured... Jolander Sure, which you picked for summer songs, and it might have been a couple before that. So that is a particular episode. If you can track it down, that is pure heat wave. And yeah, I just love this. It's just so light. It feels like a summer breeze. Um and yeah, it was apparently inspired by um the lead vocalist Zen Girlfriend. <laughs> uh, there was just a quote that stuck out to me. He said of her, I believe she was divinely sent for the purpose of inspiring my creativity. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you kind of ruined it now, mate. But um, <laughs> got this song out of it. <laughs> well, you know, no, what? she's just a person. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's another potential top five. Top five problematic muses. We can maybe go down that road someday. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you introduced a bit of a breeze to the mix. I think that's a good thing to do at this point. Um, but however, for my number one, Craig, right? You know what we're going to do? We're going to be simpatico. We're going to stay in 1967. Let's go. Oh, sunshine. Skies, please go away. A girl has found another and gone away. With her went my future. My life is filled with gloom. So day after day, I stay locked up in my room. I know to you, it might sound strange. 
You know, if I've had one thought more than any other over the past week, it's I wish it would rain. That's the temptations with the song, I wish it would rain. Uh, so I wish that was a response track to Groovin. It was just like your man had gone off with his missus. <laughs> well, uh, I, well, the fucked up thing, Craig, is that you're actually not oh, a million no. miles away. This is actually a very sad story. Um, leave it to oh, me no. to, to bring it down. The temptations, of course, uh, are an American vocal group from Detroit, Michigan, uh, Motown. Kings of the 60s and 70s still going today by the way they've had so many like people come and go uh, original I think, I think original member is still in the band and like has the rights and so it's like that's why it's still going Otis Williams yeah that's who I'm thinking of um, as of 2021 doing a case on it well, listen, um, but the thing is, uh, I Wish It Would Rain, uh, which is a big hit single in 1967, uh, has a pretty sad story attached to it, sadly. Um, one of uh, a Motown staff writer by the name of Roger Penzabene provided the lyrics to the song. And according to this, more so than a number of other Motown songs, there's real sentiment and pain behind the song's words. Penzabene had just found out his wife was cheating on him with another man. Unable to deal with pain and unable to stop loving his wife, he expressed his pain in the lyrics of this song and its follow-up, I Could Never Love Another, uh, open brackets, after loving you, close brackets. The distraught Penzabene took his own life on New Year's Eve 1967. A week after the single's release, he was only 23 years of age. Now, in fairness, I didn't know that when I picked the song. I looked it up. And I, and I didn't know that when I made the Young Rascals you weren't, you, weren't, you weren't being too flippant. Like, you were speaking to, like, you know, the possibility of it being, you know... Like, you, you got it right. It's clearly, like, a, a hurt human being who's expressing that oh, through yeah. song and wrote something incredible. Uh, my, of course, you know, I was coming at it from the flippancy point of view of, like, I'm the guy who wishes it would rain during a heatwave. And I fucking am. And by the way, uh, just to keep... To, to bring it back up a bit light, did you know there was a Phil Collins song called I Wish It Would Rain Down that I thought about picking... But I thought this was the better song. So, is it about divorce? I don't know. <laughs> it, it sounded pretty sad. It sounded like he had his heart crushed. Um, now, I'm for once, I'm tapping more into the literalness of this one as opposed to the staying in my room and being sad thing. Um, because my God, man! I mean, I rang my mother there at the weekend, and I at one stage I went, "Ah, oh, wouldn't mind a bit of rain, I'll tell you." And she was like, "Fuck off!" And she was like, "Your nose on a mine." And I was like, "Okay, good stuff." People get really mad when you come along during this run of weather, and you're like, "I could do with it being a bit." bit cooler you know a bit of rain wouldn't be too bad they get very very upset i think that's a crazy what's thing what's your ideal temperature oh that's a i don't know like <laughs> top five ideal temperatures <laughs> <laughs> um you know like I, I, sunny but not too hot you know i, I burn yeah. i don't do well in heat you know i just don't like i'm one of those like people. a like I'm a, a crisp bright late spring day is your go-to that sounds amazing you could go play yeah, golf you could go to a pagan festival i don't know like that, 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 that the, the possibilities <laughs> the possibilities are endless um yeah give me like like our, our our good buddy josh who's in canada um messaged us during the week and he was saying that it's absolutely boiling out there but like mm. he has air conditioning and he was like why doesn't Ireland have air conditioning everywhere and even like there was times during the week when like like i went to the gym this week during a heat wave and i'm like what am i doing but at least I got fucking air conditioning in there, you know? I was like, this actually yeah. feels better. So, yeah, get on it, uh, Minister for Infrastructure. Do we have one of those? <laughs> Is it Catherine Martin? Sure. I presume it's one of her jobs. Anyway, that's my yeah, number one. So. Temptations. They're very good. Check them out. It's a great song. Uh, my number one, we've had Long Hot Summer. Let's have Long Hot Summer. Active. Oh, 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 oh
long hot summer by the Style Council, and we were joking there about Prince uh, featuring pretty frequently in our top fives, uh, alongside apparently Paul Weller. <laughs> Entirely my doing. We had the Jam recently enough, and this is his band after the Jam, who were completely different, and I guess raised the ire of plenty of punks in the early eighties. So he was about like twenty three, twenty four. Um, Told the jam, we're done, we're going out on top, I want to do something completely different. And Embrace Soul, like he was already a mod, he was into that kind of stuff, um, started exploring his vocal range a bit more and just kind of having fun with it. And I I love that Paul Weather, Weller went this kind of route. Um, Sorry, like, no, I'm jumping in. You said Paul Weather. Weather. You, you've done it, it's happened, it, it had to happen and what an episode for it to happen on. Incredible. Oh God, That's no encore for this week, everybody. Just end it there. <laughs> It's okay. You can recover. I think we should. We're, al- we're almost done. It's great. No, I, 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 I say that like it's, it's more because again, I'm I'm in a fucking furnace right now. So. By the way, right? Yeah, bragging about my sparkling water earlier on. Mm-hmm. My hands are so sweaty. I can't open it. All throughout your top five, I've been like grappling with the <laughs> bottle, and it's like. <laughs> I'm very flustered. Uh, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah, but let's go back to your Paul Weller thing because you're you're getting big into Bob Marley. You're getting big into Paul Weller. What's going on? Are you slipping? <laughs> I think you might be slipping. I think you're slipping. I'm going to say it. I think you're slipping. <laughs> you need to stage an intervention. Possibly. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I think I'm slipping into something really comfortable and luxuriant, which is this uh, <laughs> kind of plastic soul thing. He teamed up with Mick Talbot and like the video for this is like him kind of shirtless, just like lounging in a boat as they're like punting down like a fucking river in Cambridge. And like, I'm sure his fans at the time were just like, what, has he got a bit fruity or something? And he has, and it's great. And <laughs> the pure sound of it is just like... It's sizzling, Dave. It's like taking off your shoes and socks and like casting aside your layers and like stretching out on the grass verge and just there's shooby doo wops on this song. It's great. It's so good. And that's my number one. Okay. Um you make a you make a compelling case as always, as is often the case. So, um as tease at the top of the show imminently on the no encore feed as of the forthcoming monday you will get to hear the man himself the greatest of all time the coolest cat in the middle of a heat wave sonic architect adam shanahan and his before the encore which kicks off in just a matter of days i encourage you all to check it out and to tune in come for you know adam's dulcet tones but stay for incredible insights about the world of production it's all coming it's all coming your way and if you like what we do on this show um i was gonna say if you want to help us buy a fan but we couldn't actually have a fan on while we were recording that would just be gauche but if you want to help us buy a fan you can do that at patreon.com slash no encore you get bonus episodes episode previews playlists and our undying love our undying burning love as this episode suffices and, and tells i'm just saying words now craig uh i presume we're doing Kanye West next week if it drops you seem confident that it will drop it's out right now go listen to it folks <laughs> okay and um, well, well you, catch you, you next week you've, you've heard it from the man himself my name is Dave Hanready his name is Craig Fitzpatrick this has been No Encore there will be No Encore and I'm off to live in the fridge for the next few days bye
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.